0: we don't take shortcuts i take my time on prepping on inserting it just makes it more enjoyable the patients love it when you're able to give them really amazing looking teeth and great dentistry you must listen welcome to the drilling millions podcast the drilling millions podcast lessons from some of the most successful dentists on the planet i want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich Presented by Sage Dental Partners, your practice transition team. That escalated quickly. Coming to you from Toronto. Podcasting Podcasting to the world.
1: Please welcome. Please welcome. Akil Chawla. We have a treat for this episode. We're recording with Dr. Arun Narang. Uh, Dr. Narang is on his fourth practice. Uh, so, some might call him a, a dentist entrepreneur, um, but still does a ton of work in the cosmetics, uh, implant, uh, and orthodontic space, even as a general dentist. He's just a really interesting person to speak to. He has a really great philosophy on work life balance and how to make dentistry sustainable, um, as well as make it something that you enjoy. And it's something he certainly enjoys from our conversation. Um, This is a three-part series, um, so you're listening to one of three parts. Uh, The other three can be found on the channel, uh, the Drilling Millions podcast. And we talk about things all across the board from cosmetic dentistry and is it all hype to managing your time as a multi-practice owner, what percentage of your time should you be spending on, admin, your production, your costs. And we also talk about moving from more of the wet finger dentist space to being a more entrepreneurial dentist and the growing pains that are involved with that. So really fantastic episode. Dr. Narang is a phenomenal speaker. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. The last topic I want to talk to you about is, uh, cosmetic dentistry. Um, and there's a lot of hype around cosmetics, um, both from you know in the industry and you know all over social media, all over Instagram, TikTok, what have you, um, and I just really want to hone down on how important it is to actually find a niche versus you know when you're starting your career, go broad and then sort of narrow down on that niche niche uh, as you uh, as you progress.
0: Yeah. So. Let's talk about cosmetic dentistry. But before I talk about cosmetic dentistry, I'm going to talk a little bit. And we talked about this when we had our dinner recently. That when I first started practicing um, and opened my own office around 87, my first goal was really just to learn about how to run a practice, you know, how to manage a practice, learning, learning. and, And I went to a lot of courses on practice management you know, uh, hygienists that were maybe, you know, working kind of as, as practice management consultants or, you know, you know, doctors that were work, working a lot as practice management consultants, just learning a lot about how to run a practice. Once I felt that I, I had that down, then I started to <clears throat> go to cosmetic dentistry courses. Or restorative courses, um, and what I originally did was I joined the, our Toronto Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry years ago. I don't know; this must have been probably. I mean, I graduated '84. I opened the practice in '87. Maybe the first three or four years, I did a lot of practice management courses, or maybe even the first five or six years, and then uh, I started going to the TACD courses, and they would have different different speakers that came in i.e. Frank Spear or John Coyce or you know uh, you know or people who were from the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry uh, and lecturing on cosmetic dentistry and that was my real first exposure and you know it's so easy for you know family because like everyone who hangs a shingle is like you know family and cosmetic and implant dentistry or family and cosmetic dentistry and it's easy to say that you're a cosmetic dentist but it's true and we all do resins at the front of the mouth and fix chips and things like that and again you know we 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 learn per, like we're, we're what we're really exposed to in school is so little right you know, you're you're you might be doing a class for incisal restoration or resin, you know, and you wanna do it nicely or perfectly, but what do they really teach you about layering and shading and you know, um like little nuances in school you don't really learn as much as you start learning when you are actually learning from some of the masters that are out there doing cosmetic dentistry and I I started learning a lot from the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry going to their scientific sessions and I did that since 1996 pretty much until current currently I still am a member of the ACD I've Probably been to since ninety six, six sixteen. In the last twenty six years, I've probably attended maybe twenty three of the meetings. You know, so almost every year I go, and I I feel that you do have to commit to education, um, and 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 doing courses, and sometimes not just one day courses, but maybe something that. You know, might be a three day course on a weekend, went to so many courses that Frank Spear did, hotel courses that he did. I did so many courses that Kois uh, put on and, and, and you're learning from all these things. You're helping to build your confidence and your ability to be able to provide uh, an excellence in in diagnostics and cosmetic dentistry and smile design so there is definitely an art to it there is a lot of learning to it there um there's you know the education's invaluable so i'd encourage everybody to do that um i still continue to learn you know and um then you know after i did a lot of the aesthetics then i had uh, started learning how to place implants how to do hard tissue and soft tissue grafting, and then I started, in, you know, incorporating that into my skill set with along with the cosmetics. So just, I just gives me a good overview of everything, so that even if sometimes I'm not doing something, but then I'm get, and I'm referring to my oral surgeon or to my periodontist to do certain procedures for me, and then I would be completing them uh, because of the needs of the patient, which are obviously the most important thing. And at the end of the day, I want to just be able to have an excellent excellence in dentistry, an excellent result. So sometimes it has to be multidisciplinary and you have to work with other professionals to be able to provide uh, the excellence that your patient is seeking. But it's a process and it's hard work and it's a lot of learning and a lot of education.
1: So from being in the space, what is stopping anyone who, as you said, hangs a shingle From calling themselves a cosmetic dentist, is that just can anyone call themselves a cosmetic dentist? Do you have to be registered? Do you have to do courses? Well, I mean, there's you
0: have a specialty as a prosthodontist, but you know, there is no specialty of cosmetic dentistry. I know the ACD has been long trying to you know get some sort of designation for accreditation, and you know, if you're an accredited dentist of the ACD, it shows that you know you've passed. Uh, certain, you know, um, criteria in cases. Um, but, you know, you can call your, I mean, again, there are accredited dentists and, you know, many of them will uh, advertise the fact that they're accredited dentists. Some States don't allow that and don't want them to do that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's, you know, people will, if you're doing excellent work, word travels, right? Right. Or you do a lot of, I mean, we do, we document all of our cases, you know, when we're doing beautiful aesthetics, we're going to document our cases. We're going to put our before and after pictures up on our Instagram and Facebook and our, our website. And, you know, people are going to give us good reviews. So if they're happy with the work we're doing, we've got excellent reviews online, you know, people are, and people are seeing the work that we do. Work will come our way, maybe more than just the person who's just calling them a cosmetic dentist, but really doesn't have uh, the stuff to back what they're saying, you know? So at the end of the day, I think the quality of your work will um, guide you to more success and to get more referrals for the same kind of dentistry.
1: Right. You, you made a really interesting um, point there and you, in a lot of ways, followed a very unorthodox path, which is at first you mastered the practice management and then you started doing implants and cosmetic dentistry. And it's sort of funny when I see people doing it the other way, because if you don't have a practice to stand, what's, what's it going to matter if you know how to you know, place an implant or, or do doing cosmetic work? So explain to us the process of why you decided to you know, do that first, because you were probably one of very few. Yeah, so I mean,
0: again, like you know, um, I mean, you want your practice to be a success. You want to be uh, profitable. You know, at the end of the day, um, you can do bread and butter dentistry. You can do fillings and examinations and extractions and you know, um, single crowns. And you know, at the end of the day, you're you're going to still be successful, or you're still going to be profitable. Um, the only thing is, you know, I mean, you know, if, if that's all I had to do or all I could do in dentistry, I would probably get pretty bored. I mean, I've been doing this for 38 years. What keeps my passion? Um, and, and I do a lot of endo as well. I mean, I love doing endo. I, I, I just feel very passionate when I have an opportunity to do different things when my day might have a CERAC restoration or several CERAC restorations, or I'm doing a quadrant Mm -hmm. of, you know, restorative involving, you know, ceramics, whether I'm doing crowns or CERAC, or if I'm doing endo or if I'm placing an implant or I'm doing alloderm grafting or I'm extracting a tooth and graft, you know, doing alveolar bone regeneration and or grafting, you know, and I'm doing bonding and I'm doing maybe, four anterior crowns or six veneers, you know, when you've got that kind of variety in your day, it keeps things interesting, you know, and obviously working with a restorative hygienist is great because then I get a chance to get a bit of a break, you know, go do a hygiene check or do a new patient or see an emergency or do a post-operative visit. I just love the variety in my day, you know? Um, And, it just keeps things really fresh. It keeps things interesting. Yeah. So I, that's why I started, you know, doing so much continuing education and aesthetics implants and other, other things, because I had specialists working for me for, for many years that would place the implants, you know, or would um, do some of the more advanced procedures, you know? And I said, geez, that sounds like a lot of fun. And, I'll be making more money than just doing fillings, and it's interesting. So why can't I learn it? So and when, when exactly? So I, I did some soft tissue grafting courses with Pat Allen, and then I did a lot of implant courses with Carl Misch and other uh, implantologists. And then I, I learned how you know I learned how to do uh, a lot. I did a lot of training in orthodontics, and Invisalign. And then I started incorporating all those things into my own practice, the Invisalign, the, the, you know, the, the endo, obviously I was doing a lot of because I enjoyed it. And then, you know, to be able to provide the other services kind of, that used to be one of my mottos kind of all under one roof. Why can't I keep it all under one roof, you know, having uh, all these services. And I know, uh Howard Ferrand's really big on that, you know, in his practices, trying to keep everything in-house as much as possible. If And patients love that. If they don't have to go somewhere else and you can, you know, extract their wisdom teeth or do their gum grafts or do their periodontal surgery, and I don't have to refer them out of my office. And I, I still deal with people outside of my office. I, although I have a periodontist, sometimes I still refer to another periodontist, um, And I, you know, I still, you know, do use my oral surgeon because sometimes he's able to do things under, you know, general anesthetic, uh, you know, or, or place multiple implants that might involve sinus grafting or more complex stuff, you know, that I want to share responsibility on, um, you know, for somebody who needs a GA and wants to do it under a general, Um, I, I deal with specialists still for some things, but there's, you know, probably... 90 to 95 percent of it, I can keep it under my roof, which then makes it more obviously more profitable for me and also more enjoyable for me because we're providing a great service, people are happy, and it's a win win. Generally, though, how lucrative are cosmetics? Let's say if I prepared six veneers or crowns, you know, at an average of about roughly fifteen hundred dollars a tooth, Um, you know, and obviously there's a lab cost, but there, it might be even greater than that because I might have to replace some of the fillings in it, in those teeth or, you know, remove previous crowns, you know, et cetera. But, you know, doing six teeth uh, is about a $10,000 case. And, you know, lab might be at about 400 to $450 a unit, but, um, the rest is really, you know, your prep time and your insert time. If that whole, I'll, I'll easily be able to, to to build quite well on something like that. And, you know, usually like I'm setting, like I said, an hourly for myself. So I'll probably exceed my hourly when I'm doing major work, like implants or crown and bridge. Uh, I'll usually do a little bit better um, with that. But you know, we 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 don't take shortcuts. You know, I take my time on prepping. I take my time on inserting. You know, it just makes it more enjoyable. Hey, would you rather work on twenty patients uh, who are booked for twenty minutes or thirty minutes each, or one patient for three and a half to four hours where you're preparing? You know, six teeth. Uh, just makes dentistry more enjoyable you know, it's, I find it's less stressful to have longer appointments. um, And you're doing something very fulfilling. And the patients love it when you're able to exceed their expectations and give them really amazing looking teeth and great dentistry. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely um, satisfying.
1: And would you say it's the the financial aspect that draws people to cosmetic dentistry most of the time? Or you think it's, just genuine interest in the cosmetics, because I'll tell you in ortho or, um, you know, any cosmetic, uh, for example, I just got my eye surgery done. So I get rid of my glasses and, you know, if I would gotten uh, um, my, my gallbladder removed, my appendix removed, I wouldn't really care. I wouldn't really thank the surgeon, but, you know, after I got my glasses, you know, sure. removed, I gave my surgeon a hug, right? So there's that component yeah. to it too. So it's so much more gratifying. I find.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the doctors who are doing it obviously want to do it because, I mean, let's put it this way. Nobody needs veneers, but people want them. You know, people want plastic surgery. People want facelifts. People want parts of their bodies enhanced. I mean, you know, everyone is into look good, feel good, right? And at the end of the day, doctors want to learn how to be able to deliver, you know, that look good, feel good, So for plastic surgeons, you know, they have all their myriad of procedures for that. And for for a cosmetic dentist, you know, we have resin bonding, we have veneers, we have crown and bridge, we have implants, you know, and uh, we have invisible braces and Invisalign, you know? So if you're not going to learn how to do those things, um, I mean, I would say that probably one third, you know, of, of my income uh, comes from, you know, or, or maybe even higher comes from all these uh, services that I've learned to provide, which are adjunctive, which are not necess- necessarily, you know, I mean, nobody n- needs to do it, but people want to do it. And then they're going to pay more money to do it. They are going to be more lucrative, you know, and that's okay. We're providing a service and we're, you know, we're, we're, and, 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 and a lot of times I'll, I'll just be honest with people. I have so many people who come to me looking for veneers and I, 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 a lot of people I talk out of it. I tell them, but all you need to do is straighten your teeth, do Invisalign. And then maybe you do a little whitening and a little bit of bonding to fix this or that. Or you might need to do just a couple of teeth and, and then straighten your teeth first. So a lot of times I wind up talking people out of, of doing veneers because it's not the right thing for them. But it brings them to our office. It brings them in for a consult. They, they, they talk. And again, at the end of the day, I think people can see when you talk to them and you're coming from a place of caring and you're coming from a place where you sound like you're knowledgeable or you know what you're talking about um people can see that you know um what you're saying is genuine
1: yeah well so selling is a very dirty word in dentistry right i think it's uh you know shunned upon at least in dental school and then you know by some dentists they think it shouldn't you shouldn't your job shouldn't involve selling but howard fran when he came on the podcast he had said you know, if you can't convince a patient to get a restoration so that it doesn't lead to a couple thousand dollar endo down the road, then you're not even doing your job. Right. Yeah.
0: So the thing is, again, I, I think it's, you don't need to sell. I think if you educate, and I think that's what Howard's talking about is educate your patients, you know, you know, like Mr. Fedavesi, you know, if you're going to basically crown your tooth after a, a, a root canal, okay, yes, the crown might cost twelve, thirteen hundred dollars or whatever your fee for a crown might be, but an implant's going to be four to six thousand dollars. And if you lose that tooth or it cracks, we're going to have to extract it. I mean, I'm just educating my patient. You know, if you're trying to do your job, educate them, explain them why it's better to do a smaller cavity than to let it grow or become a bigger cavity or a bigger problem or a root canal and a large filling, you know, at the end of the day, we're just educating, you know, and then I think the dentistry just sells itself. It just, you know, it just, I don't even consider that I need to sell it. I, I, I just talk to my patients. Once I finish their exams, I sit next to them. I look at their x-rays, I look at their photos, and I'm just talking to them and I'm educating them and there's no hard sell. And I just tell them, this is what I think I need you need to do. And this is where you need to start. And it may not be their entire case, it may not be everything that they need to do. If they want that entire overview, I'll give it to them or I'll book them back for a consult to go over everything. It's just about education and maybe start off with their chief complaint or what you think is the most important thing that they should do first. And I think, you know, if you're honest with people and educate people, the dentistry just sells itself.
1: Brilliant. Lovely. So that's the end of the last episode. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. uh, Absolute pleasure interviewing you. My pleasure.
0: Like what you heard? Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and follow Drilling Millions on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for exclusive clips.